Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we break down the Pennzoil 400 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Joey Logano took the checkered flag today, beating out teammate Brad Kozlowski. Kozlowski finished second, then it was Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Kurt Busch. Uh, it was the first race of this new package here in the Cup Series. Um, a, a wild, wild uh, day as far as what we diagnosed. I think a lot of people were into this race, looking at it, trying to dissect all the good and the bad things from this race, and we'll dive into that. If you have, you want to give us your thoughts on anything from the race today or for, even from this weekend, 917-889-8280 is the number to call tonight on Talking Circles tonight. We're also going to talk about the Xfinity race and the Truck Series race a little bit later on as well. Um, but today, Pennzoil 400, Joey Logano was your winner. Uh, Team Penske really fast. Kozlowski won at Atlanta. Logano wins today at Las Vegas. So the two races that have the two new package, Team Penske's up there. Kyle Busch was going for the sweep. He finished third, had a, a pit road speeding penalty, could never really recover. Got up to third, was within a second or two of the lead but couldn't do, really do much. He was very frustrated on pit road. Kevin Harvick finished fourth. A good day for him, led 88 laps. And Kurt Busch was in the top five all day after starting 28th, got to the top five, top 10, and never really looked back from there. A nice run in the Star Nursery Chevrolet for him. Uh, but I'll start with you, uh, Spencer Cowan here. Uh, what were your thoughts today on Joe Logano's victory? We'll talk about the package a little bit later, but what did you think about Kozlowski in the battle with him and, or excuse me, with Logano's victory and a battle with him and Kozlowski at the end of that race. Yeah, you know, I thought it was a pretty good battle. You know, uh, Joey Logano was up front all day, and Brad all, Brad had a fast car, too. And, you know, like they said, even though your teammates, you race. You know, if, you know, Kozlowski wins, he gets beneficial points. Um, so, you know, you have to – you, you want to win. You know, you need these points. And whether your teammates or not, you go for it. And, Thank good. Thank God the captain's like that, and he lets him race. But um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good battle. It was exciting. Uh, fans were cheering, and if the fans are cheering, I guess uh, it's you know NASCAR's doing things right. You know that's what they want to do, impress the fans. But all in all, I thought they uh, they were at least Logano was the one of the most dominant cars out all day long. And, and you know if Bush couldn't win, it, it was either going to be him or only a few people I saw winning. So. Uh, between those two, uh, they it was the right call, and I think they deserved to win. Certainly, and track position was key today, Philip. Uh, it, it was key. If you lost it, it was hard to get it back. Kyle Busch, who had a great weekend, won a Truck Series race, won the Xfinity Series race, and came also close in the in a Cup Series race. Was frustrated on pit road. You could tell the the questions that were pointed at him. He just kind of didn't give it. Uh, really good answers for. He was very frustrated, and a lot of that's losing. Kyle doesn't like to lose. We've seen his, this act <clears throat> before with him that, you know, hey, uh, anytime he loses, he gets very, very frustrated, but a lot of drivers were critical, said, you know, when you got close to somebody, you, you lost the uh, the momentum you had, and you kind of lost the, uh, the handle of the race car, especially in the corners, when you got close to somebody, I think that's the biggest problem with the, with this package, even last year's package. And we'll talk about it a little bit later again, but was the fact that they got too close when they got too close that the pack that the, their handling changed completely. Um, but let's talk about Logano and Kozlowski here. Uh, Kozlowski chased them down, did a great, great job at the end, 
you know, it came down to a lot, a couple of, of, of lead lap passes for both of those drivers. Um, when the end, it was Logano was able to hold off his teammate Kozlowski. What were your thoughts uh, watching those two battle at the end there, Philip Matthew? Well, I mean, in terms of teammates, the respect that the two of them show each other is uh, very high. They have a great um, the the respect they have for each other is it's a great thing to see, especially from two guys that are champions and are really fierce competitors on the racetrack. Two of the toughest guys to to race, and in fact, they gave each other that. I mean, it was close. It became pretty close. That's one of the closer finishes theoretically you've ever had at Vegas, and probably it is a product of what we have as a package. Um, it should be a drinking word every time they say that, then somebody probably pass out. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, Joey Logano, I mean, considering the qualifying for the Penske guys has been a little off. He only started 10th, but he moved up easy early in the day and just kind of bided his time. Uh, Brad had to come from 19th to go and lead the race. He used some strategy with Paul Wolf. The reality was, I mean, it was a good race there at the end for those two guys. And then you add, you had the uh, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. You're basically talking about three of the four guys who were in the championship last year, two of the big three. Harvick was a winner of this race last year. So, I mean, there's – and Kyle was going for the sweep. His interview today, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm mellowing out on the guy, but, you know, I think he handled it about as low as he could. I mean, granted, he's the one who made the mistake. Uh, he's a, he cost himself a chance to win the race, um, but it is what it is. He's probably going to win plenty of races this year. Uh, and it, it was, a, the, the finish was interesting relative to most cookie cutter racetracks. Uh, but you know, fine. Penske racing is on it so far this year, two out of the three races so far, they have wins are both locked in to the, uh, playoff chase there in September and they have plenty of time to go in R&D and figure out what they need uh, come September so it's something to see there yeah and it's nice to see like you said both of them now locked in Logano and Kozlowski and the other team Penske driver Ryan Blaney finished 22nd today more issues on pit road for him was never really able to get his uh, his track position back finished a lap behind two laps behind actually one lap behind there uh, in 20 seconds, so rough day for him again, and so, sort of a similar situation he had at Atlanta, and once, I'd like to see what Blaney has as well, once this season sort of gets on track here, they've had a couple of uh, rough races here to start the year um, from that 12 team, so let's see what he can do, Menard, the fourth, quote-unquote, fourth Penske car there with the Wood Brothers, um, he finished 15th today, so uh, definitely Logano Kozlowski, um looking strong, early on in this season, no doubt about it. Sixth place run was Ricky Stenhouse Jr., then it was Eric Amarola in seventh, Martin Trix Jr. in eighth, Chase Elliott, the highest finishing Hendrick Motorsports car, was ninth, and Denny Hamlin rounded out the top ten today. Six through ten guys, you know, there's a couple of guys I was very impressed with today. One was Stenhouse. Um, You know, he's a guy who's very aggressive. I think this package plays into his hands very, very well. Um, He's a dirt track guy. You have to be on the wheel... One of the interesting things I found about this package today, and, and again, we'll dive into this later, but um, 
was the driver said it was, it was you had to be on a wheel a lot, and it's a lot more physical um, than the old package. It's a lot more physical demanding than the old package. So I thought that was very interesting. And Stenhouse, an, an old dirt racer, sort of used to that kind of style of racing. So I think this might play into his hands a little bit. A solid run for him. Amarola picking up where he left off last year. Um, I want to know, you know, what about Martin Tricks Jr.? I mean, here's a guy who um, dominated mile and a half tracks last year, was very, very strong even the, the year before in 2017 and 2016. He went that, that – team i guess you can call it, if you consider it the same team or not but uh martin shucks jr and cole pern that combination were always very very good in the mile and a half tracks and uh, i know he finished runner up last week but an eighth place finish today no no laps led for that 19 car uh kind of an eh race for martin shucks jr in my opinion and and i'm saying that because he finished eighth so that that's a compliment to them and then chase elliott and denny hamlin uh, anybody stand out to you we'll start with philip matthew uh, six through ten there. Anybody stand out to you about their day today? Yeah, I mean the fact that O Richard, as I love to call him, uh, because his ex girlfriend called him that uh, in an article, uh, finished sixth, and the Roush team seems to be on it at least with his car. I mean, last week No Neck was up there too, uh, but this week they had some problems. But in terms of Ricky Stenhouse being able to be up there and being aggressive and basically having a beef with everybody in the field. It's kind of funny. You know, I got a kick out of it. I mean, Eric Jones was getting butt hurt uh, during the race and that was kind of funny. And it's like, well, he is a Joe Gibbs racing driver. Uh, you knew that had to come out at some point. Uh, I mean, that, that really the Stenhouse's progression, the way this team has kind of moved up and seems to be at a higher level this year after a few years of being in the doldrums, uh, basically since Stenhouse has been in Cup, they've been pretty bad except for a couple of years ago when he won those two races. Uh, I mean, the, outside of that, you consider Chase second best Chevrolet, Hendrick Motorsports. I know we talked about last week how bad they were, and considering relatively how bad they were last week coming into this week, and they all – seemingly were within range, albeit, you know, seven time was a lap down and Will Byron ran a little different strategy and he was third best, but Chase Elliott there getting a ninth place finish. And in his case, he's, I mean, the, they're in the playoff hunt, all of them early in the season. So it's not like anything really has changed. It's, yeah, the, there really isn't any difference from like this year and last year's playoff, except for Austin Dillon and Denny Hamlin swapping roles in terms of wins at Daytona 500 and Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, those, I mean, those are the two that kind of stand out to me. Eric Almirola last year right. finished fifth in points, and he was good at this race last year. Martin Truex has won at Las Vegas before, previously in the 78 car. They were struggling with qualifying. They struggled early in the race, and through strategy and having a better car on longer runs, kind of made something out of nothing, and were third best or second best Gibbs car. So, I mean, they're going to figure it out eventually, and the Martin Truex isn't going away easy. Uh, Him and Cole Pern, they'll figure it out. How about you, Spencer? Six through ten there. We mentioned the guys earlier, and – you know, Philip brought up uh, Hendrick Motorsports, you know, and, and I respect his opinion a lot. But, Philip, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. 
you know, just to the fact that, and you're right, it was better than Atlanta. There's no doubt about that because I don't think you could get much worse than what it was last week for Hendrick Motorsports. But still, I think when you look at what this team is capable of and you think about this team, it was almost yeah. like they could press a button and they, they would run great. And here we are. And this isn't just something that's happened this year or last year. This goes back to even middle 2017 that we haven't really seen Hendrick go out there, aside from a few races Chase Elliott won last year. We haven't seen this team really go out and, and all four cars or even two cars or three cars perform at a high level for a long, long time. So, Spencer, that ninth place finish there with Chase Elliott uh, was a little concerning to me as well. Uh, yeah, you know, with that, with them being Hendrick Motorsports, honestly, and the drivers they have, you expect them to be in the top ten each week. Um, and, you know, Bowman was right outside the top ten. William finished 16th and Johnson finished 19th. So the team has some work to do. That's for sure. They definitely need to get inside the top 10. You know, it's one of the best teams in the sport and, you know, running 19th and 16th is pretty unacceptable for Hendrick Motorsports, if you ask me. Um, And the only guy who really stands out for me in the top 10 would be Stenhouse. You know, everybody else that is in the top 10 normally runs in the top 10. And this package is probably going to work out for Stenhouse. You know, he's aggressive on super speedways. And now with this package, you have to draft on any track that's a mile and a half and bigger. So, um, so yeah, Ricky Stenhouse is the only one who really stands out. But the Chase Elliott thing and the whole Hendrick Motorsports, they definitely have some work to do. And if not, then uh, if they don't find it out, then they are going to struggle make it into the playoffs, that's for sure. 11th place, Alex Bowman. Then it was Kyle Larson in 12th. Eric Jones, 13th. Clint Boyer, 14th. Paul Menard, 15th. William Byron, 16th. Daniel Suarez, 17th. Chris Buescher, 18th. Jimmy Johnson, 19th. And Austin Dillon rounded out the top 20th, 20 today. And something about the top 20 that I want to talk about, and it was the last driver to finish 20th, guys, was Austin Dillon uh, and, and his children's cars. You know, you look at what Richard Childress Racing did in, in qualifying, uh, and Hemrick said – during qual- after qualifying, they were disappointed to qualify fourth and fifth because that's how fast they were in qualifying. Well, they go out today, and I know Austin Dillon has a penalty, a very um, nit, a very tic-tac penalty with you know a, a, a crew member jumping over the wall, laying over the wall and putting his hand down, and that's considered too many men over the wall, which is very tic-tac-y, but that's how NASCAR called it. Dylan was never able to recover after that, was a lap down in 20th. And, and Daniel Hemrick, uh, again, these guys qualified fourth and fifth. They had, they, they were very, um, they had a very, you know, uh, they were very positive and, and excited going into the race. And it just seemed like they didn't really perform during the race. So I think, and this is twice in a row now that we've seen RCR have a good practice sessions, have good, um, a good race and struggle. So, uh, or excuse me, good practice session, good qualifying session, and struggle during the race. So, Philip, is that something you're concerned about with RCR? I mean, this is this is again a team that last year in 2018 struggled pretty badly at times, and their affiliated teams struggled badly at times. And you look at their affiliated teams today. Uh, you had um, Bubba Wallace in 26, um, and and just. A, a tough day for them Ty as Dillon well. 29th. Ty Dillon in 29th was nowhere near the front today at all. Uh, way down, three laps down. So uh, a tough day overall again for RCR. Um, 
last week they kind of said, and, and Danny Stockman and the boys on that three car came out and said, well, we brought a wrong car. We kind of, our, our philosophy for that race was a little bit off. Uh, well, today they were excited. They were, they were positive. They were really, really looking forward to this race, and they struggled today. Um, are you concerned at all about Richard Childress racing and, and what's going on over there? I mean, it's, I think it's a bigger issue. And like you guys both talked about, like I'm, I'm letting it go the the Hendrick thing because I, I, I'm not taking into account how, in this case, how great they've been for so long and how that they've kind of fallen on hard times. And that the last, like last year, this is kind of how they ran. So it's like, oh, you know, they kind of ran around this area. But when you consider that it's not what they are and what they've been for many, many years, it's one thing. I think it's a greater issue for the Chevy teams because when you look at who's up front, it's Fords and Joe Gibbs. And that was basically what it was last year with a different situation with different horsepower, different arrow. It was Fords, basically SHR and Joe Gibbs. and then. Penske came on late in the year, and the the for RCR. Let's be honest. Ever since Kevin Harvick left RCR, they haven't really been that great. They haven't really been relevant. Uh, um, Austin Dillon has won two races, and they're two of the biggest races in in the sport. But the reality is, they're not a relevant team. They aren't the team that. You know, they once were when they had Dale Senior. They weren't. They aren't the team that they were when they had Kevin Harvick. It proves a point that Kevin Harvick was basically having to carry them uh, for all those years, and in a sense, he was being held back the amount of races he's won, and he's won one championship. Probably could have had at least another one. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the greater concern is overall for the Chevy programs that are not, you know, like basically. Chip Ganassi. Uh, I mean, if you're not a if you're not in a Chip Ganassi Chevy, you're not really or Chase Elliott. Basically, you're not really a factor, and uh, that's a fundamental problem. And that it doesn't matter what aero package you run, that's been kind of the problem anyway. And uh, I think that's the bigger issue is Chevys across the board. There's a real problem with that body and the way things are, and their motors aren't are behind it's a whole common it's a whole bit uh, i think that's not going to fix itself in one or two races or one or two months it's going to take some time i think it's a fair point philip and, and i i'll say that again you know um the chevrolet had two drivers finish in the top 10 today uh with with kurt bush in fifth who you know has really been great with that team this year already in two races you can see how that one team is capable of performing and then Chase Elliott in ninth. And, you know, Bowman did okay. Started 11th, finished 11th. Not a terrible run. Larson. And then you got to go all the way back down to William Byron in, in 16th uh, to get to the next Chevrolet team. Then you have Busher, who uh, – Chris Busher was good early. You know, early on in that run, he was, um, you know, I think he was a top 10, top 15 car. He ended up 18th. But his teammates struggled a little bit today. Ryan Priest didn't have a great day in the RCR cars we t- touched on. They struggled. So you're right. Chevy as a whole, it's a problem. Um, and that's unfortunate because, you know, you want to see a, a parity throughout all 
three manufacturers, and all three manufacturers have a chance at winning races. And we're out in the West Coast swing, and, and they can certainly come back east, take what they learned out in the West Coast, bring it in, and put it into their race cars. But you know, these next two races, especially California, I'm going to be curious to see how Chevrolet runs because um, you know there's not much they can't really do much to the bodies of these race cars and what they learned out west because most of these cars are already built. Um, but when they come home and they go to Martinsville and they go to Texas, I think you'll see a sort of a second generation for everybody included, and maybe Chevrolet can help close the gap. But I said the same thing last year, Philip, about this Chevrolet, these Chevrolet teams because their NASCAR Goes West tour wasn't so great last year, and they didn't close the gap at all. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think it, it, it's concerning. But, you know, to me, the top Chevrolet team always has and always will be Hendrick Motorsports, and everybody sort of feeds off of them. And for the last year and a half, almost two years now, Hendrick Motorsports has really been struggling. So I think if Hendrick Motorsports starts to perform pretty uh, better, um, then you'll see maybe the other Chevrolet teams follow suit. But uh, again, not a, not a great day to be a Chevrolet fan um, today at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Spencer, anything that, that uh, stands out for you when you go through and look at uh, the positions 11th through 20th? You know, Bowman there who had a decent day. Larson, uh, Eric Jones, who was in the top 10 for most of the day, uh, ended up 13th. Um, Menard, who that was his best run of the year. It's a short year so far. Man, but, I don't surprise uh, he was a, me at all. Yeah, top 15 run for him. Suarez, how about Suarez, who led some laps today, finished in, in, the, in the points uh, in one of the stages, but a 17th place run. Now he's got to do a little bit better than that uh, if he wants to continue to uh, – you know, be a future there at Stuart Haas Racing. But who else stands out for you 11 through 20 here today at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Uh, Suarez and uh, I would say Clint Boyer, honestly. You know, with them being Stuart Haas, you expect them to run up front. I mean, look what, it, look what their teammate Harvick does. He's up front, top five all day each week if there's not a problem. So I think, uh, you know, like you said, if he wants to be at store for a little bit, he needs to perform a little bit better. And he was up front. He led a couple laps, but that was from pit cycles and stuff. So he hasn't really shown that he can get up there and pass for those. So he has to run better for sure. But I think they'll, they'll – it's only the third race of this new package or whatever you want to call it. But they'll get their stuff figured out. Uh, another decent – somewhat decent finish by Busher. I mean – and Austin Dillon, that sh- that shocked me how where he finished. Other than that, we, I mean, we pretty much hit on all the injured teams already. But Clint Boyer and Suarez, I top twelve for both both of those teams. Yeah, you would you would, and especially Dylan. You talked about him, you know, just because just how well they qualified. And I think it's something to look at this package where teams are are looking and during the practice sessions and maybe even qualifying, uh, looking at sort of cutting a fast lap where you had teams in practice uh, yesterday look at trying to, to work on the handling of these race cars. And the teams that did that, like Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joe Logano, they were very, very fast in the race. You know, and, and Harvick was not – if you remember his, his – I don't know where he ended up in final practice, but it was like 29th or 30th, somewhere around there. And Brad wasn't very good in final practice, yet they raced very well. So – that's something to keep in mind as the season goes on here with this new package, especially in a mile and a half, that just because they don't cut a fast lap doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to run good in the race. Um, so that's, that's interesting. That's sort of how we feel about this in, uh, in the restrictor plates. I, I almost look at these practice sessions now 
as far as speed is concerned, how I look at the restricted plate race package, because it's almost like, well, teams are on different agendas. You hit the right draft. You didn't. So, you know, practice used to be a good gauge of how teams are going to run, who's going to be fast on Sunday. And I'm not sure the practice speeds mean that anymore. I just think it's sort of, you know, there and it shows you who's fast, but everybody's on a different agenda. And I think it's interesting that the teams that focused on handling their, getting their cars to handle well, or the teams that really had some success today out there at Las Vegas motor speedway. And we'll see if that trend continues um, going forward on these mile and a half tracks. 917-889-8280 is the number to call. Uh, let's talk about the package guys. I know everybody's been antsy to talk about that. Um, you know, it certainly was different today. Um, I think, you know, and, and let me just say this guys, before I, before I hand it off to you and let you guys give your opinion, I just want to say this. And I saw somebody on Twitter say this, and I saw a lot of people on Facebook and I've had discussions with, with a few people about the statistics, green flag passes being up, uh, lead changes being up, all that kind of stuff. You got to give me more than statistics. You have to, you, you can't sit there and tell me that it's good because, you know, we didn't have a wreck today. I believe this was the first race. I think uh, NBC, NASCAR NBC tweeted, tweeted it out. This is the first race we didn't have an on-track incident since 2002. So that's a long time. And when you pit under green flag as often as we do with teams that were uh, on completely different strategies at certain times, you're going to have a lot of green flag passes because every time somebody comes down on pit road to make a pit stop, that's con- every car that passes that car is considered a green flag pass. Multiply that by 37, each green flag, pa- it, it adds up quickly. So those stats are a little bit, to me, skewed, especially today because we didn't have a caution flag. So those people who just tweeted out, and one uh, writer in particular tweeted out just the t- statistics and said, enough said, baloney on that. There's nothing more accurate than your eye. There's nothing more accurate than what, you, what we saw. And no fans trying to say, well, the statistics are the best way because then you don't get any bias in it, da 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 Baloney. Statist- some t- and I love statistics. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bash them. But some of them are, are, are very, very flawed. And that's one. Green flag passes are very flawed. And just keep that in mind when you go through and you read the statistics today that just because there was a, an uptick in green flag passes doesn't necessarily mean there was actually more passes on the racetrack, what we consider racing. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there before I send it off to you. But Spencer, uh, I'll start with you here. What did you think about the racing today uh, at the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? You, you certainly brought up a good point about track position uh, off the year, uh, about Larson, who uh, lost some track position, was never a- really able to get it up because it was so hard to pass. A lot of the drivers talked about how hard it was to pass at times. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on the package today at Las Vegas? I've seen worse. I mean, I've seen worse racing. Um, to me, I don't see a problem with this package. And, I mean, that's just me. I'm not speaking for everyone. But that is the biggest problem that I've noticed, and the drivers have noticed it, and they're in the race car, is you cannot pass when you're in dirty air. I mean, the fastest car in practice, the fastest car in qualifying, the fastest car in the race can get in dirty air, and he cannot go anywhere. He just he stalls out. Larson had the fastest car to land last week, and once he got in dirty air, he was toast. I mean, he could not get back in the top ten. It's the same today. Mm-hmm. When you're in right. dirty air, you just cannot pass anybody. And 
that's a problem. And yeah. whoever's in clean air is that makes them the fastest car. I mean, look last week in Atlanta, whoever was out front stayed out front for a decent amount of laps until we had, you know, the Larson Harvick uh, battle. But honestly, the racing wasn't too bad. I don't think, um, but the leader still gets away. That's another problem. And that's what we were dealing with last year. And we didn't even have this package, but right. that's really the only flaw that I have with it is you can't go anywhere. And that's, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing I also want to talk about too, before I, I give get Phillip's opinion, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people today and, and I'm on, you know, all kinds of sites and everything. So, um, but I saw some people say, well, you know, the, the, there was it was still very spread out. And my question, I guess, at the, to that those people are, how close do you want it on a mile and a half track? You know, a mile and a half tracks, these tracks naturally are going to be spread out. They're a mile and a half long. You know, you only got 40, uh, 37 cars today. You only got 37 cars out there, so they're going to be spread out. Um, unless you put restricted plates on them completely uh, and, and, you know, have a package like we see. And I don't think anybody really wants 36 restricted plate races every year, every weekend. I don't think they want that. Um, so, so I guess in my point to that, to that is those people who are saying, you know, it was spread out more than I would like, how close do you want these cars? You know, I thought they were a lot closer today, but to me, it, Philip, it's a matter of passing and getting these cars to move up uh, and, and comers and goers and I liked what I saw better at Atlanta than I did today. But what are your thoughts today on the package at Las Vegas? I I mean to keep it uh, to keep it short. To me, it was exactly what we've had for many years, except you just had an eight-inch spoiler on the back of it, and you had uh, a bigger, you know, less horsepower. Uh, that's to me what I got from the racing today was that, and I mean it's unfortunate that that that's how it is. I it, I thought that they, I mean to me the end the end of the race was more entertaining than there have been at Las Vegas over the years. But when you consider Las Vegas isn't exactly known for great racing, or most cookie cutter racetracks aren't known for great racing that's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a throwaway. Uh, the same teams, like they're talking about, oh, maybe this will go and change the the way that, you know, who who's who's the main teams up front. That didn't really happen either. Uh, it's the same teams that are really up front from last year. It's just that you change to a different rules package. I'm not going to go and and sign sign off and say that it's bad, good, and different, whatever. But personally, I've been on record on this show and with friends and with a bunch of other people that they should have as much horsepower as possible. They should have the cars off the ground, and it should be less about aerodependence, and it should be more about mechanical grip. And until yeah. they get to that Amen point... Amen to that. Until they get to that point here in cup racing and in general you're not you're not really doing what you need to do to um prove out the best i mean the fact is these guys are good it doesn't really matter what the package is you're going to see the best drivers come to the front and generally that's what happens and the right. best drivers and the best teams are going to come to the front 
but you're not really going to get the best product or you're not going to get the best overall rate unless you have have that those changes made. Right. I I agree with that. That's the second part for sure. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero, where the best teams and the, and the best drivers are going to shine for sure. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, but you know, a couple of things about this package. First of all, I think it we are um, a few weeks away from. I, I think I need more races to really dissect this package and say, hey, this is going to work or it's not going to work. You know, I think judging it on one race and strictly one race is sort of unfair. That's why I asked what you thought of the new package, how did it race today? And I'm not saying, do you think this new package is going to work? Do you think this is something we should have for the long haul? I didn't ask you guys that because I think it's so unfair to do that with one race. We had one race, you know, and these engineers and these drivers and these crew chiefs and these teams are going to go to work and they're going to try to figure out a way to make this better, to make this where they can move and they can pass easier and, and put more, you know, put more downforce on the car and all kinds of things. So teams are looking at that every step of the way. Um, so, so that's something to keep in mind, and, and we're going to have more races here. And I think until we get about five, six mile-and-a-half tracks under our belt and say, okay, you know what, I've seen enough. This is how I feel about it. Here are the good things, here are the bad things, et cetera, et cetera. I think then we can talk about whether or not what, what we think about the future of this package going forward in the Cup Series. But I think right now um, we can certainly talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. I think that's healthy and I think that's positive. So uh, one of the things I like about this package, Spencer, and, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, or, or Philip, I don't know how you feel about this, is the – I feel for whatever reason, and I don't know, maybe it's the driver truck, uh, adjustable track bar being eliminated this year, but I feel like these adjustments on these race cars are, they mean more this year, as weird as that sounds, but I feel like um, if if you make an adjustment and it's the wrong adjustment, you lose some spots, or you make the right adjustment and it helps your race car, you gain some positions, where in the past, Maybe it's just because they're so close, whether because they're so close with lap times. I don't know, but um, at the end of the, I think that is something where you look at it and you say, "Well, that's a positive because that's something I've always I love these crew chiefs and their minds being influ, influ, uh, influencing these races and and handling the race car how how handling these cars um, these cars how they handle being influential in these races. I think that's positive. I think it's a good thing. So. That's one positive I certainly like about this package where – and maybe it's just the on throttle time. I don't know. Where it just seems like an adjustment goes a longer way than it did the last four or five years. What do you think, Spencer? Yeah, I actually – I've noticed that myself. Um, I do believe that the adjustments made on pit road are helping way more than we have had in the past years. Um like you, like you said, if you hit it right, then you really – it's a whole new car, basically, the way they perform on the racetrack after that adjustment. And if you make the wrong adjustment, then you're god-awful. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Like you said, I really don't know why it seems that way. But I feel the same way. If you make an adjustment that's right, you, you're you going to perform a hell of a lot better than you did when you're before the adjustment. 
And who knows? It could be because of the package or maybe it's just in our minds that we think that way. But, um, yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, it it certainly seems that way. And, and Philip, you know, something interesting today that I mentioned earlier in the show, the lack of accidents we had today. I think a lot of people expected Atlanta and Las Vegas to be sort of quote-unquote wreck fests, and they weren't. They didn't turn out to be like that at all. Today was was anywhere but anything but that with only two cautions because of the stages. I mean, it, we could have very well – can you imagine if we didn't have stages? Uh, it would might have been a gr- – a green flag race the entire way. And um, so were you surprised? I guess my question is, were you surprised we didn't have any cautions today? Any wrecks? Do you think that we'll, we'll see an uptick in accidents? Uh, personally, to me, at, wrecking isn't racing. But I'm just curious just because of the, the mentality we all kind of had, like, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to wreck. They're going to be wide open, especially on restarts. It's going to be a mess. And we haven't had that. Do you think that once these drivers get a little bit more daring – uh, they got a little bit more familiar with this package that will see more accidents, especially on restarts. Or do you think that, that they have so much car control now that they can do what they want to do and, uh, and run within inches of each other and not really wreck? What are your thoughts? I mean, the, the when you consider the Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse battle and how close they got and how it could have went bad real quick and the ways the restarts were, I figure that at some of these other cookie cutter tracks, there's going to be wrecks. And uh, the fact that they didn't have any today is an anomaly. I mean, it's, it, it, I don't know if that'll, if that's going to be the, the way it goes all year. Um, I figure Texas will be a lot more difficult because of the entry and exits in the corners and the way they have them angled there compared to the more smooth transitions they have at Las Vegas. Um, and also the fact that they have two different corners, uh, two different types of two different banking setups at, at uh, Texas compared to Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, to me, the, the fall off or having as much on throttle time, they basically are, flipping the throttle and they're going through the turns, uh, the way that they'd be able to manufacture better passing is if you actually had to back off or you have to, you have to break, bring your corner back because you have to try to get through the center. When you're driving mm-hmm. through the center full throttle, I mean, you're not really going to make a whole heck of a lot of time. I mean, you had drivers in all three lines and they're all kind of stuck, you know, stalling each other out on restarts and it took a while into a run before, okay, we get that high line working or whatever. It's to me, it's just, you know, the latest in the changes and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, next week at Phoenix is they'll go back to the, whatever regular setup or whatever they want to call it. Uh, It's still less horsepower than they had in November so it might be in a little more downforce. So we'll see what that means in terms of overall racing. Um, I'm more curious about ACS because it's a longer track, bigger oval, and not a bit flatter track. It could provide better rates. It might be ACS in Michigan. Like I read something earlier this evening where this the rules that they have might end up bringing up better racing at those tracks compared to other 
races. I also, Brad has quoted earlier this weekend saying that we won't really know what this package really is about until May when they go to Kansas for that race because they'll have time to R&D some stuff and made some changes and bring some new pieces to the racetrack. Uh, I mean, all those things are very true. And then when you consider that both Penske, two Penske cars have won, you know, they'll be able to R&D and they'll be able to sign things out by the time we get to Kansas and then going into the Charlotte uh, All-Star 600 weekend. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's when we'll, yeah, I think that's what we'll figure out what this package is all about for sure is th- those weekends right around there because, like you said, they can R&D. That's a very, very fair point. Um, uh, one other thing I want to talk about before we move on to the Xfinity Series race, uh, you know, I, I do like the fact you can lean on somebody, you know, through the corners. NASCAR sort of about leaning on somebody, bump them out of the way a little bit, and not totally ruining your day. Um, I always like that. You know, I always, that always used to be the case growing up. You know, you always could put a wheel to somebody and, uh, and get them out of the way if you wanted to, and they weren't totally screwed because their car wasn't 100% right aerodynamically. Um, I think that's something that maybe this package with the slower speeds, I think that's got a lot to do with it. Maybe that, uh, you know, w- w- when you talked about Jones and, and Stenhouse leaning on each other, maybe that's something we'll see more of as the year goes on. 917-889-8280 here, Talking Circles. Clayton Coldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, Boyd Gaming 300 from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday. Uh, it was a 213-lap race, so it was a lot more miles than 300. But, uh, of course, it ended up with Kyle Busch in victory lane. If he runs an Xfinity Series race, runs a Truck Series race, he's generally the favorite to win. Goes out there again on Saturday, has an issue on pit road where they have a loose wheel to start the race. And uh, Kyle gets, gets behind, wasn't anywhere to be found in the first stage. By the time the second stage ended, he was third got to the lead, and once he got to the lead, he was extremely, extremely hard to pass. Uh, and, and compl- I, you know, it was funny because I was watching the race with a friend, and he's like, oh, Kyle, he's done, he's done. I'm like, I'm telling you, he's going to come back and win this race. And he did, and it was like, oh, my gosh, once he came back and won this race. It, it, he's just, it's unreal to watch him win, win these races in the Xfinity and Truck Series races. Uh, doesn't his hometown racetrack at Las Vegas. John Hunter Nemechek second, Noah Gregson third, Austin Dillon fourth. Michael Annette finished in the fifth spot, a second top five of the year for Annette. Um, Philip, I'll start with you here. What did, what did you think of the Xfinity Series race, um, Boyd Gaming 300 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Wreckfest at the end, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, the the way that you're able to kind of lean on each other in the Cup Series, as you just mentioned, it doesn't really work the same way in Xfinity. Uh, it was most evident when... Uh, Tyler Reddick, defending series champion, wiped out most of the field on one of the green-white checkers uh, late in that race. Uh, he had a chance, both him and Chris Bell had a chance to win this deal, and uh, they got to him, but they weren't able to pass him, and uh, they both ended up on the on the rollback or in the garage, whichever way. And, uh, I mean, it became a wreck fest. It got so bad. I mean, it got so bad you had the cellar-dweller type. I mean, the Bobby Dodder cars finished 11th and 12th. 
and the two guys that are going to kind of be those like bubble busting teams, uh, considering talking about the NCAA tournament here in the next week or so, Ryan Sieg and Ross Chastain both getting top 10 finishes. Uh, those, I mean, you look at some of these cars that got up there. I was, I mean, the reality is these rookies, that what I got from this race was a lot of these rookies are really tough. It's going to be a really tight battle for the rookie of the year. Uh, Kyle Busch winning, I mean, I said it on a couple when we did our last show that I figured he was going to win the first two races and it happened. And uh, But the way that Kyle Busch had to come back and had to bend the shore, credit to him for the way he he managed the tires. They left them out, had them get a wave around. They got an early caution that second stage. He got back on the lead lap, got back even on tires, and then Kyle Busch did what Kyle Busch things. And by the time he got to the end of the second stage, he was back in it and it was basically a battle between those three cars, which, I mean, the two and the 20 are going to be a factor all year. The seven car, Justin Allgaier, had an engine problem, or else he'd have been up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the reality is once you get to, I'm, in terms of the, the, the dash for cash races, it's going to be those three guys are really going to stand out. Uh, you figure John Hunter and... Gragson and some of these other Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer. Cole Custer didn't get the finish he deserved. He got taken out in that wreck. But you know, the, the, it's going to be a, an interesting little season here. I mean, it's a very small number of drivers that are really contending here. It's about right. eleven drivers for. I mean, there's about twelve drivers here in terms of real, like realistic, or thirteen drivers for twelve spots realistically for the the playoff in the Xfinity series, but the, the it's going to be a tight battle and it's going to come all the way down to the end. And it's going to be interesting to see, especially once they get to those dash for cash races, who stands out. Agreed. And a couple of things, Spencer, that I noticed from the Xfinity series race, first of all, John Hunter Nemechek, top five all day long. Uh, he ended up second, nev- never led, but he was up there all day, to, you know, finished uh, fifth in both stages, finishing second in the race. Uh, a, a nice run for him. I think a driver who has some polishing to do in this series before he really becomes a big-time prospect for the Cup Series. Good run for him. And also, uh, I, Tyler Reddick, I think, you know, I know Reddick won a championship last year, but he sort of did it with his great run at Homestead and some decent consistency during the playoffs, you know, he never, never really won a ton of races. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were kind of like, well, you know, he, he only really did well at Homestead. But I think this weekend he opened a lot of people's eyes because he ran so strong. He, he went up there against Christopher Bell. He almost chased down Kyle Busch. So those two drivers in particular, uh, Nemechek and Redick, I think were, were drivers who were put on people's radars a little bit more here uh, at, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Yeah, I thought uh, John Hunter Nemechek ran good. You know, he's in GMS equipment, and GMS is – they're no strangers to the front, that's for sure. You know, they won a championship with Johnny Sauter in the truck series, and when Chase is in their equipment, you know, they always were – he was always up front in their stuff. And, you know, I just quite honestly think 
their equipment wasn't up front because of who was in the car, and that's Spencer Gallagher. I don't really think he's a good race car driver. But that's beside the point. I think uh, they still have very good equipment. and uh, It was a wreck fest at the end, but like you said on Reddick, I actually thought him and uh, John Hunter Nemechek had a shot at Bush. You know, they were alongside him, and they would just get a little squirrely on the bottom of the racetrack. And when Kyle Busch clears you, you you're not catching him most of the time. He's going to leave you, and you're going to be choking on his dust, and he's going to grab the trophy. So I'm tired of watching him when he's in them, and I probably won't watch the truck races when he's in them, his remaining three, because you already know the outcome, pretty much, unless he has a mechanical failure. That's funny you bring up the cup race, because that's where we're going to next, and speaking of Kyle Busch, uh, he won the truck series race. He didn't just win the truck series race, completely dominated. dominated. He led 110 of the race's 134 laps, and he did it in an hour and a half. Was just un... Nobody touched him. Really, all day. Frisian led for a little bit, and that was really it, other than Kyle Busch. But uh, Kyle Busch finished first, and it was Brett Moffitt. Then it was Matt Kraft, and Stuart Frisian was fourth. Uh, fifth was Harrison Burton, Sheldon Creed, Todd Gilland, Johnny Sauter, Ryan Reed making a one-off start for uh, David Gilland Racing. He finished in a ninth spot. And Ross Chastain finished tenth for Nice Motorsports. Uh, Philip, what did you think of the of the Truck Series race? There on on Friday night at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, um, and Kyle Busch's complete dominance of that race. Well, that was less shocking than uh, the uh, uh, Xfinity race was the fact that he opened a he opened a can on everybody. Uh, the fact that Brett Moffitt was able to kind of compete with him and gave him kind of a run there late was a good sign for him taking over that lead lead truck at the GMS. I mean, basically, it's the only one. I mean, they only have two. They went down from, like, four trucks to two this year. Uh, In terms of uh, Kyle Busch winning, I mean, it's whatever. He goes and breaks the record. Everybody knew that was going to happen. It's good for him that he's going to get to this 200 win number, but even he's been quoted as saying what his 200 wins means is way different than what Richard Petty's 200 wins in Cup were like, and so, I mean, in that sense, Kyle was right, and Kyle's driving his own, driving for himself, albeit it's Joe Gibbs engines and whatever, but he has a right to go and drive his own stuff. I I don't, I'm not going to go and, I'm not going to get on the horse and get on some soapbox and say that he can't drive his own stuff. It's more a thing when he's driving for Joe Gibbs, basically doing the Mark Martin thing and winning everything. Uh, it's a different story. Uh, this, the Inside the battle, within the battle, showing the uh, Thor Sport versus Kyle Busch Motorsports, Todd Gilland responding to Kyle Busch's criticism of his performance coming through with a seven-place finish. Harrison Burton, another top-five finish. Uh, the one guy that kind of stood out this uh, week was freezing uh, compared to the last couple of weeks. Uh, he showed that GMS equipment, basically being that third GMS truck, and showed the performance that he had at times last year. And, uh, I mean, he'll be up there. And, uh, and Ryan Reed making giving the Gillen DGR team a, a top 10 finish after a rough start to the season so far. 
for somebody who's not exactly considered the, one of the greater drivers to jump into a truck first time this year and get a top 10 finish pretty good. Chastain would yeah. be second in points if he had actually, if he had uh, declared, but of course he hasn't, but he's already got a top 10 finish, another top 10 finish for that uh, Nice Motorsports team. And uh, when you look at the, how many drivers, there's really 11 drivers for eight spots in that series. So, I mean, it's, <clears throat> As it, there's, it's a condensed group of people who are really legitimately contenders, but it's condensed between, you know, the the Thor Sport Fords, JGR, I mean, the Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyotas, and the GMS Chevys, uh, those three teams. And then you have Timothy Peters if he's able to run uh, the whole season with that Nice Motorsports Chevy. So that's where it's mm-hmm. all where it's at. No shock that Kyle Busch goes into the truck race. I mean, it's kind of like the sun rises. You know, it's kind of going to happen. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, it was an interesting race. You mentioned the Thor Sport. Interesting race for them. Crafton had some issues early on. He had some damage on the back of his car. Johnny Sauter had an issue on pit road. He lost track position, was never really able to gain his track position back. Grant Enfinger had some motor issues at times, said he thought the motor was skipping. Uh, and had some power issues on that champion power equipment Ford. And uh, the fourth truck on that, on that team was Ben Rhodes. And he got involved in an accident and ended up in the 25th position. So uh, Thor sport, a team, I think overall for, for the two races at Atlanta and Las Vegas, um, I think they have more speed than they had a year ago. So that's a step in the right direction. They just got to put them a whole race together. I think Sauter, once he gets, figures it out and gets this team, uh, gets in under his feet underneath him again with this team. He's going to be really, really, really hard to beat. Uh, he's something to keep an eye on for the championship for sure. But Spencer, you know, you and I talked about Ross Chastain. He's, he was great again, uh, had an issue in that race, but w- was in the top five most of the day. Uh, nice motorsports. Yep. You, you, you brought him up too there, Philip, uh, with Timothy Peters in 12th. That team has an association with, uh, with, uh, GMS racing and they've run so much better than they did last year. And Chastain and Peters are the big reasons why, uh, what was your takeaway Spencer from, from that uh, truck series race there on Friday night? The fact that Kyle Busch won. No, um, (laughs) truck racing is always exciting. You know, it's the, probably the exciting series that we have and all in NASCAR between uh, K&N and all that, but that's a bunch of 15-year-olds. For the truck race, um, I mean, nobody really led but Kyle Busch, so but I thought, you know, once again, Ross Chastain did an incredible job. The kid's phenomenal. If I had a team, I would call him up and say, come drive my race car, and I'd pay you as much as you want. Um, you know, I agree with the whole Thor, uh, Thor Sport uh, team. They, I feel like they've gotten better. Um, you know, bringing over a veteran, that's, you know, we talked about that on early shows. That's always key. And um, Stuart Friesen, he's always up front in his truck. You know, he's, uh, he's a pretty talented race car driver. No shock that Matt Crafton was up front and Brett Moffey, you know, he's our past champion. And I thought he had Kyle Busch there for a minute and then, um, what do you know? Kyle Busch pulls away. Shocker, right? 
But other than that, yep. I mean, Sheldon Creed ran up front. He's a incredible race car driver. Um, good comeback for Ryan Reed. He's finishing ninth. You know, he's been out in the sport for a little bit. But other than that, it was just another another uh, truck race under the lights. And who doesn't like racing under the lights? And I enjoy watching the truck series. And they have a great uh, great system and a great program with the truck series racing. They're going to have to wait a few weeks uh, before we see them again. Martinsville, yeah. the next race on their schedule here uh, in in a couple of weeks there down the road. So um going to be interesting to see how teams, you know, uh, evolve from there. Who's going to be in that ride? And I, I, I know, Philip, you talked about Peters, and you're going to have to help me with this because I'm pretty sure I read that Peters is going to only was only scheduled to run a first three races for that uh, for that 44 car at Nice Motorsports or 44 truck at Nice Motorsports. So, um, I he listen. I would hope he would run Martinsville because he's tremendous there. Sometown racetrack. He loves to run there. I think he'd give that, that team a whale of a run, and and maybe even put him in the playoff spot. So um, yeah, I, I think that from that standpoint, it's gonna be interesting to see how these teams evolve. Who's gonna be around? Martinsville is always good with entries because you try you get these people who uh, have run short tracks in their lifetime coming up and buying a truck and and getting in there and trying to see if they can run in the top fifteen and make a name for themselves and and build on that. Um, moving forward here in the truck series. So certainly Martinsville is going to be an interesting race to keep an eye on, but we're done talking trucks uh, for at least a review, reviewing the truck series race until then. Um, so it's going to be fun to see how, how everything evolves when we get to Martinsville in a few weeks in the truck series. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to talking circles. I know uh, Philip and I are in, uh, in the Northeast getting hammered with snow right now. So if you listen to talking circles, you're in the Northeast or you're getting snow, Uh, Stay safe out there, everybody, and we'll see you next time on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.